The following program may contain content not suitable for all audiences. Welcome to Metagamers Anonymous, a program dedicated to tabletop role-playing games and mostly related material and a presentation of Prismatic Tsunami. My name is Eric. I'm Jason. I'm Rich. And I'm Vanessa. And this is episode number 251, 251 of uh, our uh, flagship show. And uh, wait, man, we, we blew right through our, uh, what is it, eighth, ninth anniversary, something like that. We've been doing this a while, Jason. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I realized that, you know, since you come and go a little bit, it may not feel like it as much for you, you know. It but, almost uh, feels like we've been doing it longer because I take these big breaks and the show is still going and I come back and the number is huge and it's like, ah. <laughs> you remember when you were recommending, you know, 99, what, how many trombones? Uh, 110 cornets. And- 110 cornets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we've been doing it a while. A little long in the tooth. April 2012 was the first episode. Yes. So nine years. Fuck. I'm really impressed with us. Um, I'm impressed with myself because I haven't stopped, which is a little strange in this industry. Unless you're making money, which I don't. <laughs> Why do you keep doing this to yourself? And it's because we have a passion for it. So, yeah, no, it's not the gun to the head, Rich. I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, I I feel like, uh, to be fair, I don't necessarily feel like every time I get on the mic, I have something inspiring to say. But I have learned so much about about gaming and about running games and about you know the hobby and the people that play it and so I mean the show has been just really really huge part of my life for so long now and uh, I I feel like if I didn't at least take that take stuff away from it like that you know, even though a lot of the time you know I'm just I'm hanging out with my friends which I do a lot off the air you know it's not like we don't talk about gaming off the air but you know, then again I don't know, how many- if I only talked when I had something <laughs> inspiring to say I'd never talk. <laughs> Ooh. It's like, I figure we talk about gaming and stuff anyway. Why not hit the red button? Right, right, right. And, and how many times do you find yourself, going, we should be recording right now? Yeah, it happens some. But So we just need to record everything, and then you could just edit out the gold. Uh, he used to do that. <laughs> There's That's a hard drive full somewhere. Uh, not anymore. I, I couldn't afford that. <laughs> Needed the space. <laughs> You know, I, know, I was never very good at keeping the bloopers. I used to have people that asked me, it's like, you should, you should be doing some kind of blooper reel. I'm like, oh, it takes so much, not not just the space to keep it, but sorting through material to try to find the gold yeah, later. I don't make mistakes, so. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing for <laughs> I wouldn't have any rich on that. Sure. But, you know, all of his gaffes are on the air. Oh, I didn't mean to say <laughs> gaffes. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, uh, I, we, we've done really good. We've, we've had a good time with it. And, um, you know, we have good listeners and a uh, good relationship with our community. And I, I just don't have any real impetus to just kind of stop. But you do get incidents where we take breaks, like this last one we took, even though we're getting ready for our game fair. Because, and I'm hoping this, I'm hoping this gets to air before the game fair, which I'm going to talk about in a second, just briefly. Uh, but I was out of town for a couple weeks and uh, went to uh, Portland to see my brother and spent a week up there. My wife and I drove across country from Wichita to Portlandia, which, by the way, is two days if you do it straight. You know, two days, well, 25 hours. I guess if you're really ambitious and have a cocaine or something, you can probably do that in one shot. But for the most part, it was uh, it was going to be a two-hour trip minimum, and uh, we stopped on the way to see my mom in Colorado, and then, you know, made it three three days in the car on the way up, and then freaking four days on the way home because we decided to go through Yellowstone, which was... Yellowstone is pretty. Beautiful. <laughs> and I'd never driven any... I'd never been west of the Rockies at all my, my entire life. You know, everything from my life, starting in Germany where I was born to here, has been east except for a little bit of Colorado and Wyoming. You know, the rest has been all... 
So this was a real Yellowstone adventure. Yellowstone is super pretty. I was gorgeous. We didn't get to see all of it. We didn't get to, and we, didn't, we weren't camping or anything. You know, so it, was, and it wasn't even in season. You know, because they don't really start their season until May. But it was late enough in the spring that there wasn't snows and shit to deal with. But they did have a road close that we were going to use to take out of Yellowstone and continue on our way. So we ended up having to go back through Idaho and added a trip to our added a day to our trip on the way home. So we got to see a lot of Idaho. <clears throat> uh, I waved a, at um, our listener uh, Rendron Mark on the on the way through Boise. Um, I don't think he saw me, but we thought of him. He uh, hit me up on Facebook today. I noticed and was like, you know, wave at Boise on the way back. I'm like, that was like days ago, dude. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm so tired of driving now. <laughs> Four days for the trip home. Four days in the car. I don't think I've ever done that before in my life. Not a lot of gaming. So, so you hit up Yellowstone. Did you get the Great Prismatic Spring just because of this this <clears throat> similar name? Oh man, we saw that sign and thought, God, we should stop. It's so pretty. And and we wanted to, <laughs> but we had just spent a lot of time at the painted pot geysers there. Those are also very pretty. <laughs> and we were trying to get to Old Faithful before it blew, you know. And uh we did. Yeah, you got to, got good, I, we good. got to we got to see that. that Old Faithful nice. is also super cool. Not as, of course I like all the guys. Not as faithful as it used to be, it turns out. We had to wait like an extra twenty two minutes or something. It was like, hmm. Really? When we Funny. went it was it was actually pretty close. It was within like a minute and a half. Oh dude. <laughs> now they say like give or take like I don't know, stupid number of minutes now, but uh, yeah. for, for being named older. Old Faithful. Yeah, yeah, we, we all have trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, mm. As long as it doesn't have its super explosion, because the, you do have that whole super volcano threat. That's what I was going to say. It gets it, the timing gets weirder and weirder the closer we get to the actual volcano going. It on. would it would pick the time we were in Yellowstone, obviously, to go completely nova on us. You know, that would have been that would. Oh, so awesome. I would want it to go off while I was there because then you don't have to deal with it. That's true. Yeah. You would not have to deal we, with the aftermath. Because <laughs> I think if, if memory serves, we're just on the edge enough that we're going to have to deal with the fight. We're, we're going to die. Don't get me wrong. We're going to die. Right. But we're not going to be in the incendiary fireball that just makes it painless. We're going to deal with the ash and shit and lava and stuff. We had annoying ash from St. <laughs> Helens, which was a smaller and a lot farther yep, yep. away. Was that When was that in the 80s or something? It was like a long ass time ago. 1980. Yeah. We uh, we saw before it before I was a glint in my parents' eyes. It's flat on the top. <laughs> I saw we saw Mount St. Helens from from the road near Portland. Uh, you can see the mountains. You can see the nearby Mount Mountain Hood and all that. You can see it right there uh, on the highway right there because the highways are kind of elevated, you know. But because you're on the highway, you can't stop and appreciate it. So it's like, oh, that's fucking nice. You know, <laughs> never see it again. <laughs> that looks super cool. <laughs> but the question is, did you get close enough to Devil's Tower when you went through Wyoming? No, 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 no. I've been, I've, I've been there. Devil's Tower is before. cool too. I've been there before. <laughs> Saw Devil's Tower when I was younger. We did a trip in in high school. Uh, we had friends up in Wyoming. We saw Mount Rushmore and Devil's Tower while we were on the trip. Went Great place the to meet aliens. Yeah, I bet it is. It looks, Great looks place like to it. meet what? Aliens. Yeah. Uh, some oh, of them, yeah, I can imagine. Some of them legal. So I, uh, I I went ahead and took a ton of pictures for no other reason than because I was there, right? It's not like these – does anyone want to see my roll of 8,000 pictures that nobody's going to give a shit about because they all look like a bunch of mountains? You know, once you see them, I would totally look at mountain pictures. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. All right, Vanessa, it's a date. Uh, So I'm okay with this. (laughs) I took a ton of pictures, and when I take pictures, I tend to do the thing where I'll just like I'll take a string of pictures because I know I've got a good one in there. You know, (laughs) so uh, I'm not the guy that looks like for the one good shot. I just kind of just keep clicking the camera as I go. And we got these uh, these newer phones recently with these like 108 megapixel cameras on them, which not something I care about, but it's like a super ridiculous camera. It's got like 8,000 lenses on the back of the phone, and um, so I I got these pictures, and I got I I I was just freaking impressed at how the zoom and the detail and shit. 
Um, so the one thing that I thought was really interesting for me, and the, the reason, you know, the, the, the reason why it's even worth bringing all this up was because I realized I still think like a game master everywhere I go, uh, especially the world builder. And see, I was that kid who, when I was in a, like uh, sixth grade, seventh grade, something like that, we did like an earth science class. It was the first time I'd ever heard of like plate tectonics and shit like that. And I got excited because I was learning about how worlds were made, right? You know, all the details of how they came together, how mountain ranges were formed, how islands and stuff worked, all that stuff. And I was, I, I came away with this just, just, huge infatuation with geology and, and earthworks and for, for the purposes of building a more realistic, believable, viable living setting, you know, all about building a world that felt like it worked. And I'm rolling through these hills and these mountains and stuff, and I'm looking at it and I'm looking at my maps and I'm going, okay, so that mountain range right there is this many miles away. So that's how mountains look when they're that far away. Which matters because then I know how I'm going to describe it in my game when PCs are, <laughs> yeah. And everything is like that. I saw the Pacific Ocean for the first time. I was fucking it's humbled. so pretty. And, and, and that's what's so amazing to me is that seeing nature firsthand is so different than the fact that we've watched this, I mean, we've absorbed it through media, through television, through movies. I already know what this shit looks like. Everybody knows what this shit looks like. You know, but I want to see it firsthand, not just nature, culture too, you know, it's, it's big cities, all that. But I was so impressed by how much it still struck me and how excited I was to go through the mountains and, and, and you know, absorb all that. And it didn't get old. I mean, after a few days, it got to where it wasn't like every turn was like, Ooh, ah, you know, um, I'd have to smoke a lot more to get that effect, I think. But no, it really <laughs> was uh, a pretty uh, humbling experience. But a lot of that, I, I tell you, I shit you not, every time I look at something, I'm going... That's a really a good idea for a game right there. That's a, yeah, I could see that. No, I love that. We went to uh, went to Astoria uh, up on the coast where they filmed the Goonies. And I was, oh, that's cool. I was so upset because I didn't get to go to like the museums. They have like Goonies museums and stuff there where you can like see the old props and shit. But they were all closed by the time we got there. It was like after it was like after five o'clock. <laughs> so, but we went to Cannonhead Beach and where they have like the I can't remember what it's called the Big Rocks and stuff. All that that stuff was in the movie. Like when the Fratellis were like running for the police. If you're not a that's Goonies fan, awesome. you don't know what I'm talking about. You know, <laughs> but. Uh, it, it was, it was really fun kind of, uh, sort of something. I walked along the beach and I sent you guys a dumb video and stuff like that. Um, it was, it was fun. It was fun. So that, that I, I can definitely generally advise if you are into creating a sensory experience for your players, travel is a unique opportunity to create context. And I, I, I mean, I'm not saying that's the only way <laughs> because we have, like I said, we have a lot of media you can absorb and find, but that firsthand experience is important because when I try to create a firsthand experience for my players. You know, all they can rely upon is their imagination and how it engages with my descriptions if I'm the game master. You know what I'm hearing from you is that I can now justify a trip to Hawaii to Justin so that I can fully experience the islands <laughs> and use that in a in a future game. Cool. Given that you're a gamer couple, I don't see why the fuck not. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'll understand. It's all good. Totally works. Totally works. <laughs> if you could figure out a way to monetize it, you could write the trip off on your taxes. Right? If only. Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons I was, like, dropping by tea shops in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> they had some neat-looking mm. tea shops when we did drive through, because I wanted to stop. There was one that had, like, the, the garden and everything. It might even be the one that you went to, but I super wanted to go to it, and it was closed. No, the, the one with the garden, <laughs> yeah, it was closed, too. And, and we, we dropped by one that I was really interested in that um, had great reviews online that was uh, also, like, closed, I think, for the pandemic. And they no longer did public at all. They just did online orders. I'm sitting on That sucks. So sad. But, you know, it, 
it's just part of the and and the we went to the Japanese gardens and they have a tea house there as part of their their thing and of course it was closed. I mean everything, but I still got to you know otherwise enjoy the city and everything. It was neat. It was it was fun. It, also absorbing um, absorbing the atmosphere in a different culture enculturation is is I think informative as well. Gives that was you my kind favorite of part about California. <laughs> That's the trip I haven't done yet. It's we awesome. got we got friends in California. We got listeners in California. Really, uh, San Francisco and San Diego were my two favorite towns. Oh, that's cool. Either side <laughs> of LA, I like that. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> LA like it down to did not enjoy LA in the least. Hmm. San Diego was super pretty. They had purple trees, and purple is my favorite color. So, like everywhere, I was like, "Ooh, purple!" I enjoyed LA <laughs> because that was my first in and out experience, and I ate a lot of in and out. Oh, uh, I wish I, I wish I could have found one. I did see. Um, what what do we have? What did we don't have around here? We went to a Carl Juniors, but then we decided to eat somewhere else. Um, they had a. I saw what, what's the one that's the other one that's a big always oh uh, Jack Jack in the Box Jack Box Jack in the Box, Jack in the box. yeah Jack in the Box is big. I ate, I ate a Jack in the Box that was pretty good. But most Jack of the, the tacos are interesting. In and they, out the fact that they have tacos on a burger, you know, it's, it's, what a burger. that's one of the prominent menu items. Uh, yeah, yeah, in and out steak, steak and shake. You'll see in places you don't see around here. Um, in and out. I, I, I really think, and there used to be a smash burger here in town that was really good, and they, they disappeared. But I really think uh, the local food was, and predictably, the real hit as far as that goes. You know, local cuisines yeah. and stuff. We went to a, a freaking Lebanese place that was to die for. I mean. And it was just Jonica and I. We snuck away for a while just for ourselves and uh, found a place in Gresham that was really good. So if you live anywhere in the area, it's called um, – what's it called? Nicholas's or something? I don't remember. You have to look it up. Uh, Lebanese place, downtown Gresham, little historic downtown area. Just wonderful. Uh, anyway, yeah, that, was my, that was my week. I didn't get to do any gaming. I, 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 did, um, I did some Star Wars miniatures games. <laughs> I taught my brother how to play. <laughs> Like, I don't get to play around that much, but that was fun. Uh, so let's talk about what we were doing before we left because we had an opportunity on the last show to discuss a Richard's game that he ran, and we didn't because we had the wrong people. Uh, we had Joe and Alicia on the episode, and I, I think we mentioned it. Maybe we were going to touch on it, and it just kind of like we got to the end of the episode and hadn't, you know, just kind of had a conversation. For the record, Joe and Alicia aren't the wrong people, they just weren't in that game, right? Right, right, right. No, <laughs> good call, good call. Sorry, guys. <laughs> And they've been really fun to have on the show because they, they come from a different kind of place than, than I do with a lot of gaming. And we've been gaming together now pretty regularly. So it's neat. Uh, They're awesome people. So, Rich, you want to talk a little bit about that game? It was it was definitely different. It was I know we had talked about the system a little bit. I think that's one of the things we had talked about a little bit because it was the, right. uh, what's it called? The uh, honey, honey Heist? I stole from the Honey Heist system and I modified it to, to make a mechanic based on uh, focus or insanity being too extreme. Because it was kind of more of a horror type scenario. Right, you're either yeah. so focused that you can't see the paranormal anymore, and, or you are so crazy that you've lost all touch with reality. I thought that was really clever. I, I feel like there in that particular dynamic, if, if you start with just that, you have a, a a lot of kind of breadth um, to kind of build from two poles. Like uh, here, you have this and this; these two ideas that characters gravitate towards that that influence how they relate to things. And they can be any two things, obviously, any two things that are diametrically differentiated. I mean, they don't have to be actual opposites. They could just be things that if you move here, you're going to move further from here. And uh, that worked real well. That worked real well, well for a horror saga. The toughest part of that whole build was firmly defining what roles, what conflicts would be resolved where, because there is no other conflict resolution system. Everything else was built for role play. 
Mm. Yeah. 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 So you didn't, you don't have, I mean, you literally, if it's not on the focus role or the insanity role, which you may or may not have had an advantage of because of a certain thing or another, you just had to role play it out and whatever happened, happened. Right. Which, which is works. Almost right. more fun to play. Yeah. I mean, there's uh the simplicity is, um, Alluring, I think. I like roleplay-heavy systems because it, it allows for that extra exploration in trying to, to do that resolution because it's like, well, there's nothing really in the system to resolve this. We'll just play it out and see what happens. All that usually <laughs> requires is a focus for what the game's overall tone is, something that gives you very specific direction to work inside of. Right, which goes back to the inspiration. I had mm-hmm. run across a YouTube video talking about this castle over in, in Chechia, um, near Prague, mm-hmm. that has this history and this this uh, haunted history for tourism, mostly now. But this whole past involved in it, where it was supposed to have been built on a hell mouth and, and all this other stuff to explore. The not, It's in the right area. The Nazis occupied it during World War II and Nazi stories always have an interesting bent to them because it it builds a bad guy that you're kind of glad it's not in the direct scenario. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, but they were but a clear things. A clear bad guy that people are comfortable with and thinking in that context regardless. You know? Right, right. And Nazis you are always... Yeah. this whole history of this hellmouth and you combine it with Nazis and so you were able to leave some clues laying around the building that the Nazis had dug up and had got buried before the castle was refurbished into a tourist destination. And, and I love the fact that that is the actual, the, the basis of that is the actual historic facts about that castle. That was yeah, the these coolest. are facts that we could search <laughs> online. The coolest part about running it, because what's the hardest thing to do when you're dealing with a modern campaign? You are dealing with People who can look up everything on the internet for a real connection to how things work. And then you end up with this catch up between, is it the real world or is this the world that the GM's running? And where where's the break? Where Where's the veil laying between the two? Right. And in this case, pretty much, if you could find it on the internet, that's the basis. Everything I piled on top of that, something you won't be able to find anyway, because I pretty much researched anything you're going to run across just getting ready for this thing. And I mean, it, it matters specifically in how it relates to the scenario. So you're you're adding the mystique anyway. You're creating the supernatural elements that are sliding in there. We have no reason to question or explore beyond that because it's what matters to our characters in that scenario. But we have the resource of the internet to yeah. get idea. <laughs> and I flat out encourage, yeah. go ahead and Google what you can because right now your character's in a place where your Wi-Fi is going to work. And I know y'all have cell phones because it's 2020. Right. That, that was, oh, that's beautiful, man. <laughs> it worked real well. I, I like the fact that in the in a scenario like this where you have this kind of, because this had a kind of a haunted house flavor to it in a scenario like this where you have this contained area like a dungeon where you uh you know that everything that's going to matter to the pcs is already is in that space or is related to that space there's no infringement on that by by reaching out because it's not like it's not like people are going to bring facts to the table that are going to damage the story or the or the and and even if somebody came up with some obscure thing that you hadn't noticed about the castle you could work it in improvisationally easy because you already have all that to work with. You already have that, you know, so it wouldn't have been a, a risk. I, I loved it. I thought that part was great. Now, you had tried to run this. You, you had you'd put this together as a play-by-post thing first. Right, right. And so, like, Jason already had a character? That didn't work. Yeah, Jason had a character. Um, 
I already had a character. And Vanessa already had a character. And it, it was so. It was, it was the and it was the three of us and um our and Becky who were playing. Yes. Ah, that's right. Right. So, <laughs> Sorry, Becky. <laughs> so you guys didn't have to do a whole lot of work to prep for it because you just used the characters you'd already developed, right, for the play by post. Literally, copy paste. Yeah, I already had <laughs> the awesome. characters in the in the. Uh, I built a character sheet and rolled twenty for it. I, I've now built three character sheets and rolled twenty. I'm getting pretty good at that. I'm kind of enjoying. Good. It. Awesome. I, I forgot how much I enjoy programming. Okay, so if I ever need any more of them, just go, hey, Richard. <laughs> That's right. I did the Monkey Ninja Pirate uh, robot character sheet. Oh, cool. You're going to run one of those this, this week, aren't you? Yes. With, yes, with my uh, character sheet right. I created. So, so, so we, now, we did one of these on the air. Um, if you go to – do we have them on YouTube? We have them on YouTube. Yeah, those, those were on YouTube. If you go to our YouTube channel, and I'll put a link, uh, you can actually check out the Monkey Monkey Ninja Pirate Robot. Monkey Ninja Pirate Robot. And make, make sure it's in the right order. Uh, gameplay that we did. Alphabetical. That Vanessa ran <laughs> for us. And it was a load of fun. It was, it was a fucking great game. And we have uh, coming up this weekend, assuming you're listening to this, you know, this, this week, um, April 30th through May 2nd, 2021, if you will. We have if our I remember right, tsunami mine game is set up for Friday morning. Yeah, I think you are. First thing, first thing, <laughs> convention starts eight o'clock Friday morning. If you are available for an eight a.m. game, there's still some seats left. There's a couple seats left, I think, for your game. Worth it. So much fun. Simple system, easy to get into. A very a cool and fun premise. I mean, obviously, it's not a game you get. It's not like a heavy dramatic. It is game. not a serious game. <laughs> Parkour, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's really good. Uh, and I, I think that'd be, and, and I mean, I am so tempted if nobody else picks up those seats, I'm, I'm, I'll have to look because you Friday totally morning, it's going to be tough. Friday morning is going to be tough. <laughs> I've been uh, involved in yeah. some of the planning sessions. It's going to be fun. Awesome. I still need to finish getting I, it set up. <laughs> we have a lot of, we have a lot of good games on this schedule. I'm, I'm wanting to see what kind of um, a turnout we get for the because it's a spring event, so we don't know what to expect. Obviously, let's see what do we got. I, I just kind of glanced at the schedule. We do have two seats still available at the time of the recording for your nun, Monkey Ninja Pyro Bug game. Uh, we've got we've got a, a handful of D and D games on the schedule, including some Adventures League. We've got some Shadowrun on the schedule, like we always do for, for Tsunami Gun. Uh, in this case, uh, again, Brad uh, Kelly from the Midwest Game Fest is running some Shadowrun through the weekend. So if you dig Shadowrun, definitely get in on it. He runs good games. Uh, we have uh, a, we have some good Savage World stuff on the schedule. Our friend Peter's running some stuff. Uh, I'm actually getting I have one in, of those too. <laughs> I'm getting in on the um, 8 a.m. Saturday game that uh, our friend Gilbert uh, Gallo you know, from Bari, Italy, is running. And uh, he, that's not 8 o'clock for him in the morning on Saturday, so <laughs> it won't be such a trial for him. But uh, that, I think that one's actually full now unless something opens up. There, there's always a waiting list as well, people interested. But I, I think – and that's, that's a Savage Rolls game, so I mentioned it. And, the, and the, I think there's some other good stuff on there. Uh, Tad's going to run – uh, Riyatama, which ought to be fun. There's uh, some Pinnacle City stuff from the guys at uh, Evil Beagle, Evil Beagle Games, doing stuff with us again. And uh, some Fate that Kurt's going to be doing. I think uh, Pinto has a protocol, like his newest protocol mm-hmm. he's got, but I, it might be full oh, as well. I, I think Joe still has a seat or two left for his Zelda game right now on Saturday afternoon, which is weird, but all good stuff. Definitely check it I think out. There was I'll, some dread also, if I remember right. Uh, yeah, uh, Matt Hart from uh, up in Kansas City is running a Dread game. And Which also ran a game for us. He does. Check out. <laughs> he, he does really enjoy <laughs> enjoy running that game. He actually went through some, I mean, not to speak out of turn, but he's announced on Facebook. He went through some medical stuff this recently that 
I thought was going to lay him out. And uh, I got to talking to him yesterday just to make sure. And he's like, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to that one. So Because he got another week before he has to do it. So, yeah, good stuff. Uh, links in the show notes. Definitely get on the, the, the doodly-doo, as they call it now. Uh, definitely get on board with that. And I've got I've got a bunch of uh, – I've got some more requests for some games I need to put on the schedule. So we still got stuff coming in. If there's something you want to run, you can try listing it. Since I have no idea what kind of turnout to expect, tickets uh, are always kind of slow to come in, especially on these online events. Most people buy in, get in like at the last minute. But tickets to this are really cheap. It's like $8 for the whole weekend, you know, and there's game slots. There's like three or four game slots a day going on. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Plenty of gaming. You can definitely list uh, games if you want to just submit them, and uh, I'll try to get them on the schedules to go, but I'm, I can't promise how many people are going to turn out for any given game, so be flexible. Uh, that's what we learned at TsunamiCon last year, and it worked out well. We had, a, we had a lot of good games, but people had to kind of shuffle around at the last minute, just like you often do on the game floor, just a little bit different when you're doing it online. Uh, works hey, pretty well. I've already got to sign up for my Savage Worlds game, too. Awesome. <laughs> Excellent. When is that one? When, when are you running that uh, one? That one is Saturday at 6 p.m. Saturday evening. Ooh. Yep. Uh, you got some. I'm sure you got some. Uh, Savage World Tour competition there. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah sure. Essence. Uh, that's the one <laughs> yes. I was talking to you about. It's like, oh gosh, I wouldn't mind signing up for it because I wanted to. I want to play in a game that you run, a uh, Savage game that you run. I want to play, but I've run that particular scenario before. We we're talking about that. <laughs> She happened to randomly pick a scenario of all the stuff we've we've randomly picked out line <laughs> that I've already run for people here at this table right now. So <laughs> virtually speaking. So what you're saying is I need to run a savage one shot specifically in a time period where you can sit in it that you haven't run before. Well, you Literally. know, maybe, maybe what we need to do is, is you can run something for us on one of these Sundays where we're doing other stuff and. Yeah, that would work. I um, I, I know I have this thing that I'm working on. Uh, I, I, we were going to play on Sundays <laughs> the last few weeks, and things kind of changed. <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm wanting to run some Savage Worlds at the table now that we we're to the point where we feel like we can get together, you know, a little bit in person. Savage Worlds. I'm excited <laughs> to be doing that, but I haven't uh, been doing any Savage for a while. I've been. It just seems like we've doing, just been doing D and D pretty regularly now for the last year, and it's funny to me. It's it's great. And I, I like doing it because the online utilities are so good for well, let's say edition. D&D Beyond made it so easy. Yeah, there's a, a really just such a powerful resource, you know. There, and when we use Roll Twenty and we use the extension that come, you know, that that binds them together, and what's it, what's it called? Beyond Twenty, something like that. D&D Beyond. Um, Beyond Twenty is the extension. Yeah, yeah, the extension. I I really feel like uh, it, it was a, a resource worth exploiting as much as possible. I mean, there's a little bit of buy-in, obviously, with anything online to get the real utility out of it. But they make it pretty easy. And they make it pretty, uh, I mean, I, w- I don't want to say affordable, but there's a lot of opportunities to get good deals. They got a sale right now going on over, you know, this this couple of days while we're recording. Uh, that's that's pretty good, like 25% off or something. Not like everything. Jeez. But anyway. And it's, and it's very user-friendly. Yes. I, ha- I have no problem making characters with this system. Mm. Yeah, like, my wife's the same no. way. She's... She's not the kind of person, not the kind of person who loves sitting down and making things by hand and figuring everything out. But you know, when the utility just hands you everything, and it makes uh, maintaining them easy, and it makes leveling a breeze. Yeah, it's it's stupid not to not to take advantage of it. We need more material like that for other games, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's important to have the ability to customize. I think that's one of the things that makes it challenging, probably for platforms to build. Because especially like Savage Worlds being our system of choice outside of D&D, my system of choice outside of D&D, 
it's meant to be a platform that you can do anything with, which means you know you can't focus on genre specific options per se. You have to be able to make it as general, uh, generally accessible as possible, and uh, that's a little more tooling. But it's such a simple system by contrast that like if you have a, a tool like Fantasy Grounds, for example, that is built around the Savage Worlds, you know, has, has a Savage Worlds component that's built around. It does everything you needed to do right there because it's a game that can do anything just with the core rules. But right. Yeah, you know, takes a little bit of work, but but when you want to, you want to, you have to be able to add custom stuff. To me, you have to be able to, and the customization on D Beyond isn't bad. They could do better, but it's not bad, and hopefully they they will do better as time goes on and keep adding things. But that is that. Uh, so you had mentioned the reason I was thinking of Richard's game is because Vanessa said something about how we were using um, real world situations to inform. Uh, kind of the the world building side of it, or kind of our, our characters' interactions, or reform mechanics in the game. Yeah, I I loved when Richard did the. Hey, by the way, you're everywhere that has internet access. If you want to look up information, by all means, look it up. And all of us immediately went to Google. Right and there, you are. You're like, whoa, wait, this is a thing, right? <laughs> this is an actual thing. This exists. <laughs> I love the ability to use in modern games to be able to use tools like Google and like Google Maps and things like that where people can look things up in a city that they're yes. in or, or things like that. It's, it's really great. Very cool. I, I absolutely loved that element. Of course, then I just left the pages open for the most part right. until we lost internet access and then it was, okay, what do I remember? Because as soon as you said you don't have internet access, okay, close out this and this and this and this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, uh, I think I ran it in Savage World setup, or I may have done, oh no, I did a uh, uh, Quags mm, game, yeah. and it was set in San Francisco, and I was literally using the maps, and I was using more plans of actual rooms that we were in. Oh, that's we cool. Playing. Is that the when you ran game day that time? Yeah. At the borough? Yeah, I remember you talking yeah, about that. Where, <laughs> what a cool idea. <laughs> John's character botched his role, and it was just too funny not to not to go with, so we just had him run right through the... He, he was supposed to cause a distraction in front of the hotel and uh, Boy, did he botched ever. his drive role. <laughs> so he drove right into the lobby. There you go. <laughs> Definitely drew some attention. Uh, attention. Attention? It's a word. Attention. But, I mean, that, that was cool. The the ability to kind of utilize that real-world knowledge to influence how we handle things in-game. And, and, you know, when, when checks were necessary, they were coming from a place of how are how we're you leveraging what we know, that we know our characters know or what what's available to them. Right. Works well in modern games. Obviously, it's a little trickier unless you're the kind of players that you're playing in a setting that you know well, like um, an established D&D setting or like a fictional you know, world that's the shared fiction world or something. I signed up for game day games that are during the U times. I'm not working. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're scheduled. And, and well, we thought when we scheduled this. I'm not this, only working late on Friday. I'm also working Saturday. I'm Bye. sorry, man. Oh, that sucks. That's okay. I just signed up for your game at six. Oh, there you go. <laughs> we scheduled this. We thought we were going to be. Uh, we thought we were going to be done with tax stuff. You know, it, it seemed like a, a no-brainer at the time. IRS. <laughs> Thanks, you know. Corona. Yeah, right. yeah. At least it's not as bad as last year. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> not over yet please don't <laughs> knock on wood <laughs> I'm holding my breath until May 17th <laughs> I don't I, I don't think they're going to extend late to announce that at this point but I get to talk about game mechanics which is great because I actually am in the early 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 stages where something finally clicked the other week yeah. and I am like 90% to play testability on a system that kind of draws from like multiple different other systems. 
Seriously, just let me know. It sounds cool. Yeah. yeah. So, so what? <laughs> what do you feel like you can say? Because I know you don't want to get into it a bunch because you're, yeah, you're still working on. Well, because I'm still, I'm still kind of building it out. But uh, you know, of course, giving me it's, it's one of those things where I'm more interested in the role playiness than the the diciness. I don't want dice reality. I want characterization reality. Which has to be kind of interesting for you because I know you're a mechanics guy. You know, right. so you like the nuts and bolts and the maths. Well, in uh, Cortex Prime has just blown me away as a core system, right? And I probably could have done this entirely in Cortex Prime. In Cortex. You've been doing some of that, haven't you? You and, and James from 1D Forecast? Yeah. Uh, we, we did a session zero, and then we're having as much fun with scheduling as everybody else lately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, of course, we can't do it next weekend. Right, go figure. Oh, let's go with that. <laughs> Someone schedule something. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Eventually, sometime in July, we'll probably get started. Um, no, it's, it won't be that long. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope not. I look forward to feedback on it because that that system we have uh, space pirates and espionage. And he he reached out I to need me. To read the stuff for he reached out to me and asked if I wanted it. If I and I was like, I was thinking. I, I wish I could commit to the schedule right now. <laughs> I wish but, I could too. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious, but that's if you have a schedule right now. So yeah, no, um, I had to move heaven and earth on. After the convention, I may review that commitment. But I, I have um, I have, I have like transportation stuff I do for people, you know, that I get paid for, and it, it's, I think right. it's going to fall right in the middle of that shit. Uh, but I, I'm pulling for the system I'm building. From the, some of the dice mechanics that is used in Cortex, I enjoy that. Some of the style mechanics from Fate Accelerated that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. And then um, the magic system, because that's what it is, is the real world magic system. I am, it's very much not the same, but it uses some of the same mentality as the old mage ascension system. Oh, yeah. Loved that. Where literally, instead of casting spells out of a book, you have to describe the effect you want, and we work out the difficulty and you how have, much it's going to take to power that up. Like where you have like your core like competencies that you somehow combine to get what you're wanting, like that kind of thing, or that type of thing. And so basically, I have this down, you know, seven different influences and things like that. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if I can get that to come together in a reasonable way. Uh, but I I like that because again, it encourages more. Or, uh, role playing because you're not looking up stats on a spell and rolling dice. You are identifying what effect you want to have happen in the world. You're saying, I want to try to make this happen. And then dice are only there to tell us if you are capable of bending reality. to happen. Cool. I look forward to playing with it. Seeing, seeing what you got. Do you, do you have like scenarios in mind yet? Are you kind of building that direction? I or? am trying to build a playtest scenario and I yeah. know objectives that I want in it. I, I still have to click it. I, I, although I could set it in a castle near Prague. <laughs> right. I, uh, I ran into a real, I, I ran into a real, um, challenge when it came to playtesting the last time I was working, when I was working on the Shadow of the Spire system in that I would develop the stuff I needed for the playtest. And I would like, I would, and I would, I would, I would stat and detail those elements out and knowing that they were only part of the system. Right. But it was just the stuff we needed for this. So that's all we need. So that's all I'm going to work on right now. And then you got to go back and work on all the other shit that that makes it a real workable thing. And it's like, oh, that's so time consuming, and and it's a headache. And I I, I really was kind of 
I, I was I was kind of cowed by how much you know it was a little no, overwhelming. I get that. I get that. But, I have the thing where I had to get that core system snapped into place, and pretty much all the mechanics are there because they had to be. Right. And now I can create a scenario within that. And I think everything just comes down to how much you have to build in from the top, right? How many details you have to file out. If you could create a system where a lot of that can be left to the players or can be determined by scenario or by game, then maybe you don't have that problem. I I discovered that that was one of my issues. Like there's a point at which my, you know, descriptive capacities, I'm just not, I mean, I'm, I'm a writer, but I'm not the guy that can just write things on point when I need to. It seems like. Well, that's uh, one of the things I did earlier on when things were starting to come together in my brain or foment, foment as it is. Um, evil. Um, right. <laughs> I had asked uh, in a couple of locations if you were a magic using person in the real world who had to keep it secret and had to maintain a day job for that facade. Mm. What type of magic would you do and what type of profession would you have? Oh, you're like, and, like social media and stuff. You're kind of pulling people randomly. Yeah, or? I actually, I did it on our discord nice. and, uh, and in our, in one of our gaming group chats with a bunch of us. And, uh, I got four great answers back. And I, one of the first things I did after I put this system together, which was keeping a lot of that feedback in mind, because I had mm-hmm. a, you know, hey, these are things other people are interested in. That makes sense. I actually created those characters in character sheet. They're sitting in a World 20. Oh, cool. It gives you some pre to kind of work sheet. with, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. So, kind of cool. Well, and at least when once we get a chance to play it, it give us some more to kind of discuss and, yeah. and yeah, kind of talk on if you want to kind of how de- horrible it is. Deconstruct it a bit on the on the you know not not horrible. Come on, yeah, but <laughs> but deconstruct it a little bit and see where you, you see where you feel like strengths and 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 weaknesses are and what can be kind of played with and shored up. I think that obviously we all know playtest is the best way to kind of start filing out that app. Oh yeah, but I, I think I'm, being I'm able going to, in assuming everything will have to be rebuilt. But I, I've discovered that one of the challenges of playtesting a lot of times is that you are you know you're putting this together and it's kind of like the session mentality, right? So then the people that get involved sit down, they play the game, and all you have to work with afterwards is kind of like the experience that you had and your observations, you know. So and when you're busy running a game, it's hard to take a ton of notes. Yeah, and, and so maybe record what you're doing so you can go back and, and listen and, and check stuff out as an option. <laughs> the advantage of Zoom. Right. And we do a lot of that <laughs> stuff now, so it's not not a huge, you know, challenge and not a huge trial, especially if you're going to do this stuff online. But the other thing is, of course, you know, if you have an opportunity to play with people that you know that will then sit down and deconstruct it with you, talk about things or ideas or expand on the ideas. And even right. even questions like what would we do if we if we do what this whole different thing what would we do or what could we do different? Well, like, I don't know. Have... People that already elaborate in, in role playing podcasts and stuff like that. I don't know. Just as an example, right? <laughs> I, I, uh, Not the I podcasters. Already... Those douche nozzles will say anything. Just for I ratings. have a large spreadsheet with all the rules broken down structurally, and I actually have a large word document with thirty pages of rough built mm. nice game rules, mechanics, and stuff in them. What you're saying is you were inspired. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can, I can easily build that out once I get some more words and pictures. That's cool. And, and actually make a book. See what happens. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I want to say. Um, again, I I don't know what's going to happen with TsunamiCon yet. We're definitely planning on a um, on a convention in the fall. We're looking at October right now. We're looking at the weekend before, like Halloween weekend, so be like twenty second through twenty fourth. If we do a virtual con, that's that's my target date. Consider that selected. I am still working on the possibility of an in-person convention, exploring some venue options, but there's a lot of shit going on in the fall now. 
So if we are actually doing live events, if we're doing local events, we're doing big events this fall, we're going to have a lot of competition for that time. And not just at the local level, because a lot of the people that would be involved in our event may go to other conventions or other events at the same time or at a close enough time period that it eats up their funds. I mean, there's a lot to consider there, but we're still working on that. So be aware of that. If you want to get in on the gaming this weekend, tickets are available online. Uh, Tsunami Game Fair, spring 2021. Be sure to check out. It's on tabletop events. We have the you know we have the the link in the show notes here, and you can sign up for games. Uh, I, we haven't set a time in stone because I haven't talked to him. I've been so busy. But Mikey Mikey Mason is planning on playing on Friday evening, so that'll be fun. And I mean, other than that, and there's some there there's possibly some um, term. I'm missing the lect- uh, seminar panels. There's possibly some panels in the works. Uh, it's the same weekend as like uh, I think ChupacabraCon is happening. And uh, the Evil Beagle guys are going to be doing some stuff at Chupa. We were looking at maybe um, simulcasting some panels, which would be neat, you know, so our attendees get involved. But it's a little tougher when we're dealing with the online environment because they got their ticket sales to work with and thus access to their uh, probably Discord, you know, for their venue. It doesn't mean our people can get into that. So they got to figure out some other way to kind of handle everything. But I'm I'm sure if you um, if you're a role player, there's going to be plenty to do this weekend if you get on board. If if you want to run anything else, I would have loved. I mean, we don't have a lot of time to plan it, obviously now. But I would have loved to see some more like board gaming stuff with because we've we've discovered so many ways to do that online. I know there's um, some stuff that uh, is waiting for me to approve on the schedule that uses tabletop simulator. And of course, that has a limitation of people having to have tabletop simulator. But with like Board Game Arena and, and sites like that, we have a lot of options online to to play games that are available. And there's a lot of them available. We've had a lot of fun Board with Game that. Board Game Arena has so much. But, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, we're all pretty busy. So we didn't have a lot of time to plan it ourselves, and nobody else has kind of stepped into that. So if you, you know, decide you want to run some, host some board games, I guess. Because you still have to have a, do you have to have an account on Board Game Arena Rich to like host it? You do, don't you? Uh, certain to, games. To start a premium game, you do. Okay, so certain games. But not but all of them. You can join a premium game without it. So I have a premium thing, and that I think I have a free that account. my non premium friends can play a game once I start it. Right. Yeah, the caveats on premium is you can't start a premium game and you can't have more than one person on the same network if you don't have a premium account. I have a premium account so that me and Justin can play. Cool. Lots of stuff there. Lots There's of great so games. Much. There. So I have been pretty pretty excited about about that development and I was um hoping we could uh, get some more of that in this weekend when I got back to town, but I I ate up my entire Saturday in an extra day of driving I didn't expect. So kind of messed things up on that end. But yeah, anyway. Uh, check it out. We're looking at mountain pictures. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. It's all fine. It's all good. Mostly uh, related material. Mostly related material. <laughs> I found a way to talk about gaming in there. Are you kidding me? But dude, I have an amazing freaking camera. So it's like I was standing like way back from this waterfall and you could see the whole waterfall like in the distance. And then I used the same camera to zoom in on the top of the waterfall. And it looks like you're standing hovering out, <laughs> you know, like 20 yards away from the waterfall. Is that the one Looking. with the little bridge halfway up the waterfall? I don't remember. It, it, God, up in Oregon. That sounds kind of terrifying. I'm not going to lie. There's a, we saw <laughs> quite a few. Uh, we saw several waterfalls, uh, Columbia Gorge up there. And then we saw like a lot of, um, a lot of mountain stuff, of course, but uh, just, just beautiful. As long as you don't chase them, you should be okay. Right, 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 right. Good call. I remember that. Yeah. Stick to the, the river. rivers and yeah, streams. Yeah, I'm used to. So uh, <laughs> anybody got anything else to add? 
And it's kind of a shorter show, but go ahead and let everybody get on with their day. Jason's got other things to do. I think I've covered all my topics. (laughs) All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. We hope to see some of you this weekend. I know it's not a traditional con, so I don't get just hang out with people in the hall, and I miss that a ton. Look forward to fixing that as soon as we possibly, feasibly, physically can. But uh, otherwise, thanks for hanging out with us today. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get on out of here and drink a cup of tea. Episode number 251 of Metagamers Anonymous. My name is Eric. I'm Jason. I'm Rich, and I love us on tea.shop. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Vanessa. Love you guys. 